everyone. I'm joined today by Lawrence Duchin from America. Hi, Lawrence. How are you? I'm doing well, Chrissy. Thank you for having me on. Thank you. It's awesome to chat with you. And I can't believe that um, we're speaking in the nighttime for you and the daytime for me. And um, we've kind of come into contact with each other through eHealth Radio in the US. And I wanted to invite you to chat with my community and to talk a little bit about your new book, which is called A Book on Fear and Feeling Safe in a Challenging World. And as I mentioned to you before, I've shared this book with my community already, but it resonated with me because I have spoken a lot to my community in the past about the role that fear plays in our life and how we can kind of um, try to alleviate some of that. So I want to explore that more with you today. But actually, interestingly, you published your book, it came out at the same time as mine in June 2020. So we have far more in common than we originally thought. Yes, we're both aspiring authors. So we're, no, we're not aspiring. We are authors, but we're aspiring for success. That's absolutely right. <laughs> we're using our messages as far as we can. So it's cool that we can zoom off to America because if we're in COVID, we might not be zooming off to America today. Yes. Um, so cool. So you recently published your book called A Book on Fear. So you, I'd like you to tell me what inspired you to write this book. Well, I don't think, as I say in the preface of the book, I consider myself an expert on fear, not a master of fear, because this fear still pops its head up for me a little bit. So, But I don't think that anybody uh, chooses to be an expert on fear. I think if they had a choice, they might choose to be an expert on brain surgery or something, you know, that's a little bit, or being a star athlete, something a little bit more exotic. But as life circumstances uh, often give us, we have to deal with what we're given. And so, uh, you know, basically, I, I started receiving a, a lot of information from God, uh, from the universe back in August 2019. It was kind of like, I call it like a download. It was just sitting on the top of my head. And I knew that I needed to get this out. And it's kind of funny because I would be like driving and thinking about a chapter I'm like, and then I get all this information coming. In. I'm like, stop, stop. I can't write all this down. So, but I, I, I got all this information and I wasn't uh, sure if it was supposed to be two books or one book. I wasn't sure what the topic was. And then in January of last year, 2020, I realized that it was supposed to be a book on fear. I'm like, uh, okay. You know, like who is, uh, I'm a pretty good expert on fear. I've had to deal with a huge amount of fear. I understand it really well. So this is supposed to be a book on fear. And then that's how it really started to form, you know, in certain. So it's interesting that it came about for you quite quickly. And I think my experience with my book was the same. You know, I started, I knew there was a book inside me and I knew I wanted to um, share, you know, my kind of 12 steps to an unbreakable mind, body and spirit. But it was almost just to make some space for the book to flow out. And you didn't necessarily know what the end chapter was going to be, but it came to you quite organically based on all of the things you had kind of been experiencing at the time. Would you say that that's true for you? Yeah, I think so. You know, it, this is really uh, a, I think the best books, as you mentioned, um, they're based on inspiration. You get this information and then you have to trust. I mean, that's only the first part of the process. And you have to trust in, in receiving the information. Basically, for me, it's just it's sitting down and just opening up and trusting that God and the universe are going to provide the information I need. Um, and then I'm going to put it down. And then I'm, when I go through and edit it, edit it, then I can, you know, get the information I need. And, and I, I wasn't so 
good at that early on, you know, a number of years ago, but I've gotten pretty good at that in terms of just trusting and allowing, you know, basically the universe to speak through me. Mm -hmm. That's really cool. And you mentioned something funny to me, which is that you were an expert on fear. So when did you have that light bulb moment? Do you think, oh, I'm an expert on fear? <laughs> well, I mean, fear is, I've dealt with fear for a long time on and off, and it's not a good feeling, and I don't wish it on anybody. Um, but it was it was interesting because I was like, uh, duh, you know, like who's a, I was this wasn't like an arrogant thing. I just said it to myself, like who's a better person to write a book on fear than me? Yeah. Because as I also say in the preface, and, and I think you would agree with this, you know, to to really write a book on something that's of merit for other people, you have to have experienced it yourself. So you know, I somebody who studied fear, like in the psychology course or whatever, gotten their master's in the psychology, if they've not gone through a lot of fear and, and tried to work through it, it's, it's a much different thing than you experiencing yourself. It's, it's just far different. I absolutely fundamentally agree 10,000% on that, you know, and I'm not an expert on everything, mind, body, and spirit, and I'm not a clinical psychologist, but I certainly know what role my mental and emotional health, the impact it's had on me over the years. And I'm very curious to understand that, which is why I don't make light of the fear comment, because some things I realized that I was an expert on fear as well. I was an expert on ruminating. I was an expert on negative self-talk. I was an expert on a lot of things. And when I acknowledged to myself that I was an expert on all these things that weren't actually healthy, I then had the impetus to try and understand them and to start to figure them out. So you know, I'm sure I'm feeling that the same is true for you. Yeah, and, and, I, and I very much respect the fact that you saw these things and then you wanted to act on them mm -hmm. because uh, that's, I mean, that takes a lot of courage and we have to be a warrior instead of being, a, you know, acting like a victim. And unfortunately, a lot of people want to stay in their victimhood or, 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 or see these patterns and they don't act on them. Mm -hmm. They're comfortable you know, in their, in their lives. And I really respect the people who do act on that because not only are they improving themselves in so many ways, they're also improving the light they put into the world and how they can help others. Mm, that's really beautiful summation. It's, um, it's a very interesting process and I'm happy to share with you a little bit of the fears that I've faced, but would you be willing to share with us some of the fears you've faced throughout your life? Sure. I, I think that, that we all, uh, you know, the universe, one of the chapters in my book is, is about um, vehicles uh, and how they, uh, the universe presents us certain vehicles, which are, we need for our growth. And so each of, each of us is presented different vehicles. And for me, you know, so we're triggered in certain ways so that there's things brought up that we have to deal with um, so that we can grow. And so for me, some of my fears uh, have been uh, a fear over money, um, a fear over uh, like not having, not being, uh, having a family, not, not being married and, uh, you know, doing something to my wife that's unkind, a fear over, um, a big fear over not being in control. And that comes from, comes from my sexual abuse by my mother. I think anybody who's been uh, sexually abused, abused really in, in any way, but certainly, especially sexual abuse 
has a large fear of not being in control because that's what keeps you safe. That, that makes you feel what keeps you safe. So those have been, um, you know, and, and, I, and I think also maybe a fear over um, some of my sp- uh, spiritual relationship with God, things of like maybe a fear that I've sinned or, you know, just some of the uh, conditioning that we've taken on from, uh, from, from wherever, just different sources. Mm-hmm. This is true. Yeah, I think that you're right. The um, the vehicles for growth <laughs> are challenging and fast moving or not. And I've learned recently the term that I like about post-traumatic growth. So have you been on a post-traumatic growth journey yourself, do you feel? Uh, I think that the trauma, uh, especially sexual abuse, is a PTSD type of thing. There's been other things that I've experienced uh, in the last 10 years that I, I think were, have created some type of PTSD and especially one, a couple incidents around in business. And I think that, uh, we are, uh, I, I think we can recover fully from those, uh, incidences of PTSD. Um, I think that's what the universe and God is calling us to do to become our fullest self. Mm, I'd agree with that. And I have suffered with PTSD as well. So how old were you when you kind of admitted out loud to yourself and to the universe that you were sexually abused as a child? Well, you know, it happened during puberty, which is um, it's never a good time to be go through sexual abuse. But puberty is an especially bad time because you're forming a lot of concepts of sexual energy, of love and everything. So I came out of that experience with a lot of fear, a lot of shame, a lot of guilt. Um, a lot of anger. And I mean, I always, it wasn't like I, I forgot, it wasn't like I suppressed the memory of that experience. I always remember that experience. But I certainly, there was basically a, a for me, a, a seminal moment when I recognized that, oh, okay, this is what's caused so much dysfunction for me. And I need to work on that. And basically, I have all of this, and I, I call it like a poison, all this poison in my body. And I just, you know, and in my spirit, or, or not in my spirit, but in my, just in my whole being. And I just want to get that out. Mm, that's really important. And recently, we celebrated Australia Day in January. And the lady that was announced Australian of the Year was a sexual abuse survivor and, you know, almost died from anorexia, et cetera. And, you know, her story is powerful for us at this point in time, because as you would probably know in America, you know, the statistics of sexual abuse are incredibly high, like one in four, one in five people have been sexually abused. And what I want to say to people is like nearby you is someone else just like you. And it's only it's every fifth person when you're sitting around a table, which is kind of frightening when you think about it. But it's it's actually common. But it's that shame and that guilt and that fear that you keep it suppressed because you don't want people to know, you know, what you've experienced. And um, I have discussed with people that it comes up a lot in your 40s. Would you agree with that? Well, for me, I think it came up earlier, and I think for different people, uh, you know, there's a there's a time that we're supposed to, that that's a perfect time for us to start our healing process. So for for me, back in my twenties, I was just kind of an angry and really asleep and highly dysfunctional person, and then 
basically my late 20s, early 30s is really when I started the process. And to come back and answer your question about uh, when I started to tell people, you know, I was definitely, I had a lot of shame over it. So I didn't even tell my wife for um, for a while. And then I started at that point, I mean, I, I saw, I was seeing a therapist and then, uh, so she, my wife knew at that point I was seeing a therapist and then eventually discussed that with my father who, who was, uh, had been divorced from my, my mom since, uh, basically when I was a teen and then my brother and sister. And then, you know, at some point, um, it just became something that, I mean, th- and this was a process for sure, but it became something that was not my identity. It was something that happened to me, not something that I should be ashamed about, just something, you know, that, that was, a, was a part of me, it will always be a part of me, but it's not something that I'm going to let define me mm. in terms of who I am. Mm. That's awesome. And I think that, um, you know, I can relate to that as well. It doesn't define you. It's part of your life and you can still be functioning and still uh-huh. be productive. And a lot of people who've been abu- abused are actually highly functioning, efficient members of society. And you would never know, you know. Right. Mm. Yeah, for sure. But but I think the thing that I want to, to stress to people is that, um, you know, it's, th- these things, th- these these traumas are coming up. Uh, not to, not, we're not being punished. They're coming up to, so that we can work on them and release them and heal them for good so that we can move to a much higher level of awareness and of, of why we came here, our souls are here and, and we're supposed to move through this process and you can move to a place where, you know, energetically you don't have a reaction to the abuse anymore. Mm. Um, and, and I'm very thankful that's, where I'm at pretty much. Mm, That's brilliant. And why do you think that most people in society are not aware of the role that fear plays in their life? Well, uh, concept for a lot of people, I think. I think that people, you know, there are so many different ways of reacting to fear. So a lot of people, you know, like with the pandemic, I've talked to people, I talked to people early on, you know, in the first like three to six months and, and they were telling me they weren't in any fear, but I knew they were in fear. So denial is a big, is one is the first big thing that people do. People also, you know, try and run from the fear. They try and suppress the fear. They try and uh, medicate the fear with all kinds of addictions, you know, food, uh, drugs and alcohol, porn, technology, whatever it is, because, you know, fear doesn't feel good. And so our, uh, natural reaction to it is to try and get away from it, to do something where we don't do it. But unfortunately, most people don't take the right uh, route in terms of dealing with the fear, because if we try and suppress it or, you know, medicate it with some addiction or whatever, all we're doing is just giving it more strength as opposed to taking a look at it and seeing what its message is. It's coming up to tell it, to give us a message to say, hey, you have some stuff inside of you that's not serving you. You have some false beliefs. You have some things that you believe about yourself or about the world or about, you know, whatever you think is a higher power. And these things are not serving you. And so this fear is coming up basically to, you know, to to trigger us to have us take a look at it. So, you know, fear is fear is both a emotion. It's also a belief and it's also energy. You know, it's energy within us and we can. Most people, unfortunately, because it feels crappy, they look at it negatively and then, you know, but what that does is that that ends up 
casting it in a negative way instead of saying this is energy and we can transform that energy into something very positive for us. Mm. Yes, I can relate to that as well. And I talk about the numbing behaviors that we use and how uncomfortable it is to sit with our emotions and to feel them and experience them. And, you know, it's hard. (laughs) It hurts. It's painful. But I think it helps with that blockages and that letting go of, you know, that hurt and that trauma. And, you know, what we store in our cells is essentially trauma as well. And, you know, when you're storing all of that trauma in your body it creates toxins which is also very bad for us for our health so yeah i mean obviously um uh it's been demonstrated that a lot of repressed emotions like anger and grief and things like that have caused cancer and and depression and things like that so yeah i I definitely uh, agree with you on on that fully Mm -hmm. um but I, i think that you know the thing that i would say to people is Look, you, I know that dealing with your emotions is not the most pleasant thing, but let's look at the alternative. Let's look and see where you're at. So what I would say is most people are in a prison cell of their own making. OK, and you don't. And so the amount that you suppress your emotions is 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 the same amount that you're going to be limited in how much joy you can experience. OK, mm-hmm. so we have to go through this journey to get to the joy on the other side, because right now most people are, are living in a type of hell, you know? Mm. And so we want to, there is, there is really good stuff on the other side. Mm. And once actually, and you know, fear, we, most of us fear our fear or we fear going into those, you know, sitting with those emotions and like they're going to overwhelm us or what are we going to find inside of us? It's going to be never ending. It's going to be so dark, you know, what's inside of us. But that's not the case. I mean, basically, we are, you know, we're God. We're part of God. Uh, God expresses in and through us. We're light beings. We're holy. And we just need to release what's false within us so that we can see that. Mm, yes, I agree with you. And I would to ask you about um you know, what beliefs you've had to unlearn over time, because you talk a bit about conditioned beliefs. So what have you had to unlearn? Uh, I've had to unlearn that I am uh, not lovable, that I'm not worthy, that I've, I've had to unlearn that, I, that I've sinned. I've had to unlearn that I am separate from God. I've had to unlearn that my identity is um, what other people think of me. I've had to unlearn that, you know, my self-worth is something outside of me, what I accumulate or what I do in the world, those types of things. Mm. And that's hard, isn't it? It takes a while to unlearn a lot of that stuff. It's kind of a pretty deep excavation process to go through. (laughs) It is, but, you know, the, the exploration of yourself is probably is the greatest journey that you can make because it's it's the exploration of yourself is the exploration of God and it's you know it's really a beautiful and holy process and it and it is it is I mean it's difficult at times but again what is the choice Mm, yes it's true if you hang on to it and suppress it you can end up very very sick and I liken my health turnaround to the day I acknowledged the role that fear had played in my life and PTSD and that I didn't want to live in that space anymore and once I went through the process of acknowledging it recognizing the impact it had on me thanking it for the lessons and releasing it my health just started skyrocketing and so I'm kind of a huge advocate for what you talk about 
Yeah, I mean, I, I think the hardest thing is, you know, self-honesty is like super critical. This is why, you know, like Socrates said, know thyself. And Jesus said, basically, know thyself. And a lot of wise people said, know thyself, because this is, you know, getting down and understanding why you do the things you do, your emotions and reactions and seeing and and being completely honest. You know, and if, I think if most people are being completely honest with themselves, they're going to say, I have all of these uh, dysfunctional patterns and all this stuff happened to me and, and it's caused all this dysfunction in my life. Mm. And I don't want that anymore. Mm. And so, you know, once you take that step, you're 80% of the way there because mm -hmm. you basically said, yes, I want to get rid of this. And then you have to be willing to go down the steps the universe takes you to get rid of it and, and not get rid of it, but to heal it, mm. transform it. It's true. So it's funny because, um, for me, my declaration to myself in 2020 was to live outside of my comfort zone. So I spent a lot of time in my fear zone. <laughs> yeah. I wanted to be able to spend more time in my growth and my learning zones, but I had to wade through my fear and I had a lot of, um, you know, the internal critic self-sabotaging behaviors, um, worrying about what people think of me, all of this stuff, you know, I had to deal with it and let it go and feel the fear and do it anyway. And, you know, I'm really pleased that I put myself with that little challenge for 2020 because I wouldn't have achieved all the things I've done I wouldn't have tried to record my audiobook during lockdown <laughs> even on the hardest uh -huh. days I was like come on Chrissy you can do this <laughs> but yeah have you become your own coach in a way like are you the are you the positive voice in the back of your head that can talk down the negative voice now <laughs> I'd say I'm definitely my own coach. I'm, uh, I am my own guru, so to speak. Um, but it's not like, um, I'm not like, is I don't have competing voices in my head in terms of like, I'm trying to talk down because for me, that's kind of a, um, that would be like the ego talking to the ego. And, and it's not really something I think about. So when I do have those, when, when I do have those, let's say lower vibration thoughts come up, I just try not to give much attention to them. Um, and, and I think as we, we tend to do that, uh, they come up less. Mm. Now, along with that, we have to be working through the false beliefs and associated conditioning and trauma that's connected with that. Mm -hmm. um, and so as we do that, it's going to be easier to recognize the voice of the ego versus the voice of our spirit. And so I just kind of like say, you know, part of me just says, oh, that's not me when, when that stuff. Oh, that's not me, you know, um, and just kind of recenter myself mm. um, back into what my true self is. Mm. Yeah, that's really insightful. And I say thank you for the message. Thank you for the message. <laughs> thank you for the message and, and, yeah. and move through it as quickly as possible, because I don't want to attach much energy to those um thoughts that are trying to keep me safe which we know are our is our fear-based thinking so yes yeah it's really cool so thank you so much for joining me can you share with us some tips you know to help recognize and understand our own fears and you've touched on them a little bit but you know what would be your top few so i think the first thing that people need to do is, is they have to become aware of all their fears um, and so in order to do that, um, you know, because fear runs underneath the surface, kind of like a computer virus. So you want to, you know, you really want to find out what all your fears are, whether they're specific to you and what are held collectively. And in order to do that, you have to watch your emotions and reactions because you're going to get triggered by certain things. And so Carl Jung basically said, 
um, you know, uh, projection is one of the most common phenomenon. So basically, when we're rarely angry for the reasons we think. Usually it's fear, it's, you know, sadness, or it may be guilt that's behind our anger. Usually when we're judging others is a projection of our self-judgment. If we're blaming others, it's a projection of our guilt. So if we can start to bring those projections back in, then we can start to see the beliefs that support them and the conditioning that created that. And once we shine awareness of that, we can start to unravel all of those. Mm. And then there's certain practices that we can do you know, that can help facilitate us being in the moment and being in our bodies. Because as you said, all of these fears and false beliefs are stored in, you know, cellularly. So we can do things like yoga, uh, being in nature, meditation, you know, painting, dancing, things like that. Yes. Yeah, I'm fully on board with what you say. And I'm glad that you articulate it from your own point of view, because I do think once people start to understand their thoughts, their feelings, their behaviors, their reactions, and you know, what level of denial they're living in, if they're not having those kind of um, honest conversations with themselves about why they do the things they do, they will, you know, kind of stay stuck for a, a lot longer. Would you tend to agree? Yeah, I mean, it's really, you know, this process comes down to, uh, it's a self-honesty, you know, self-honesty is very important, but also you have to kind of, you just have to really want it. I mean, I can tell you really wanted it. Okay, you're like, for whatever reason was motivating in your life, you're like, I don't like what's happening in my life or how I'm feeling or whatever the dysfunction Mm -hmm. is. Mm -hmm. And I want to change that, you know, Mm -hmm. and you started to change that. And so you have to say, like, I want to change this, you have to have a strong will on that. And then once you say that you have to be willing to follow the path that the universe takes you down to change that because we don't know the universe will knows what's best for us god knows what's best for us and then we have to just be open to where that path takes us to to help heal and that's going to be custom for every single person mm. yeah that's really interesting because the only decision i made that i wanted to be healthy i felt my body my spirit my mind everything my body was I was just shutting down I was getting sicker and sicker and then on the day that you know I'd made that you know freight train hit me in the face I want to be healthy I didn't set a goal I didn't determine it I didn't decide to lose weight or run a marathon or you know write a book none of that was even in my you know thinking at the time but as a result of it I can run a marathon I've lost 22 kilos I've written two books do you know what I mean it was like you said the universe just put the things in front of me that I needed to to do that yeah I mean basically you surrendered I mean you you said to the universe and God I don't want to do I don't want to be like this anymore I want to change and so you surrendered and you set your intention and you left it open as opposed to and that's what I'd recommend for everybody you know it's basically like you know just set your intention and then let, and this could be for anything like a major project or anything, set your intention and then let the universe open the doors and take you down the path you need to go. And then you need to be God's hands and feet in terms of contacting people or doing whatever it is that you need to do. And that's kind of, I equate that to like flowing with the river of life Mm -hmm. and just allowing the river of life to carry us effortlessly versus being trying to control the situation and being bashed up against the rocks. Yes, I just want to quickly show you because you, t- you used the word open. And I want to just tell you that um, step 10 of my 12 steps is open. 
<laughs> oh, that's awesome. That's really great. I talk about those things there. So thank you so, so much for joining me. I'm going to share the links to your work in this interview. And I really look forward to connecting with you again soon. Thank you for having me on. It's been a great pleasure. And uh, I look forward to connecting as well. Thank you. Take care. Bye. All right. Bye-bye.